You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. All right, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Perla Samitis. I'm part of the team who serves in this church. So we are so happy that you are here with us. Welcome. Uh, And so you know what we've been doing every Sunday. We are in this amazing journey of walking through the whole Bible. So can you believe that we went from Genesis to almost finishing the minor prophets in the Old Testament? Uh, yes, yes, and it's been amazing. So last week, Imani gave a wonderful, powerful message from the book of Habakkuk. And right after that book comes another short and powerful book by a prophet named Zephaniah. So we're going to be talking about this book today. And it's only three chapters. Remember, the minor prophets are called Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) It's just three chapters, and they are called Minor Prophets because it's very, very short books. Okay, it's not long ones like Isaiah or Jeremiah, okay? They are very short. So we're going to go into this one here. Uh, We're going to start with verse 1, which I found interesting because if you remember Imani's message last week, The thing that really got my attention when reading this and remembering her message was that Habakkuk doesn't tell you anything about him as a prophet at all. And she said, all the other prophets, all the other books, they always say like the son of this person and the son of son and the daughter and daughter or whatever. Yeah, but it's all this ancestry. And Habakkuk doesn't have anything. So when I started reading Zephaniah, it really amazed me that he really gives all his credentials there for us to see, okay? And it's important because we can see where he comes from and the exact time that he was living in, and we understand some of the context because of that information. So Zephaniah 1.1, I'm going to be reading today from the Amplified uh, Bible, just because it takes all the original language, and I was reading all these verses, and I was like, oh, this is really good, because it takes the whole meaning of the original language and puts it together the best it can so we can understand what was written. So number one, okay? Um, oh, I'm going to warn you. <laughs> Three chapters. And God always does things in a different way, at least for me when I'm preparing uh, what he wants to say. And as you or most of you remember, he gives me this picture of driving a car and just like pulling over and stopping at a moment. It's going to be like that, but it's really different today because he uh, kind of gave me the picture that all of us are going to make stops and acting upon what he's speaking. Okay, so we're going to be walking through the book and responding as he speaks, okay? So get ready. Are you ready? (laughs) Okay, chapter 1, verse 1 says, The word of the Lord which came to Zephaniah, son of Koshai, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, king of Judah, and son of Ammon. And I'm so happy I pronounced all of them. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yes. But these are his credentials, uh, and 
many, many of the researchers, Bible scholars, says that this Hezekiah that he mentions is actually the king that we read about in the books of Kings and Chronicles. So he comes from royalty, and he was one of the good kings. And when he lives, he says that he lives in the days of Josiah. He's another one of the few good kings of Judah. And he made a lot of modifications in history. Remember, we've been uh, reading that there was a lot of immorality, idolatry, rebellion, and thus the judgments of God. The minor prophets have described all of this. So this is going on, but he lived in this time where changes were made. And he starts speaking before the changes, so we can kind of imagine that he contributed by speaking from God or on his behalf to these changes that were made, okay? So this King Josiah puts the brakes on where society was heading towards to, all this immorality, injustice, and uh, everything that was going on, it kind of stops. The main theme, and I don't know if some of you mentioned this, responding to the question in the Minor Prophets, the main theme in the book, it's very similar to the other prophets, okay? There's judgment of God and there's mercy of God, but he, this prophet, Sephaniah, mentions the day of the Lord, a lot, meaning the day of judgment where they were going to be taken in exile, okay? Uh, there was going to be a lot of crying. We're going to be reading a little bit about of this. So it's a little bit like dark and gloomy. Just bear with me. Everything has a purpose and we'll get to see God's character in the middle of this. All right. So let's go to uh, verse 2, just to see how really God goes straight to the point, okay? Zephaniah introduces himself, and then here, it's, here this is what God is saying right now, okay? And God says, verses 2 and 3, By taking away, I will make an end, and I will utterly consume and sweep away all things from the face of the earth says the Lord. Verse 3, I will consume and sweep away man and beast. I will consume and sweep away the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. I will overthrow the stumbling blocks, meaning the idols, with the wicked worshipers. And I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, says the Lord. So what do we see here? The first thing that we really need to notice is that this book has a lot of poetic style. Uh, so it's not like a literal thing. And the second thing is that when we read these, like the man and the beast and the fish, talks about creation. And sweeping everything away from the face of the earth kind of takes us back to Genesis and the flood, right? So he's really going to the beginning and saying, there's too much evil right now that exaggerating things, it makes you see and feel the only way to kind of eradicate this evil is like erasing everything because it's too much. And I was trying to imagine like, wow, how much? 
do you need to have in society for God to feel like this? That they need to reset things. And there's no other way. And the one thing that uh, he mentions here very specifically, it's the idols. And Zephaniah speaks again about that when we mix. Remember, we've been talking a lot about this when we mix with what God says and, oh, but we can put a little bit of the culture here and we, ha we can worship other things. And God speaks about that like, no, 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 that's not what I want and it's for your own good and your protection. So this is going on here. This is a general word, and this is for the whole planet, okay? So we'll go to verse 4, and it's a progression. That's what I want us to read so we can see the progression, how God is doing things. Verse 4 says, I will also stretch out my hand over Judah and over all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place, and the name of the idol priests and the false priests. So two things here. God goes from the general thing, like the whole planet, and now he's speaking about a specific group of people, and it's his people, okay, Judah and Jerusalem. So he goes from the larger view, focuses on the nation, or just one group of people. And two, he tells about idolatry like and this is very important when he repeats one and then twice and then all over and over and over again it's really important for his heart for us to get it like I don't want you to be divided in your heart or your mind saying that you worship me and you follow me and you still have this little thing going on which is not really little in his eyes so he's really emphasizing the situation in that time and in us today. And he makes a list. As I was going verse to verse, I found out that a lot of these verses, it might be just one or two verses, and it's actually an outline of things. So verses 5 and 6 is like an outline saying who are going to be judged and why. So we have these. Let's start in five verse, okay? And he's also going for those who worship this starry host of the heavens. And then we have, this is verse 5 and 6. And those who pretend to worship the Lord and swear by and to him, and yet swear by and to, and he names others. So I just put there others. It could be anything in our time, but they pretend Verse 6, and those who have drawn back from following the Lord, and then those who have not sought the Lord nor inquired for, inquired of, and required the Lord as their first necessity. So we have this theme of others. And I just was thinking these words are really, really strong. So he has those who have done this and this and this, and then you didn't require me as your first necessity. And I was thinking, I think in today's language that would be something like, seek me as if your life depended, depended on that. And I'm like, but that's true. If we follow you, we are saying, we are supposed to be saying, like, my life really depends on you. 
right? So it's just like being aware of what he's saying. Uh, worshiping the stars, because he's very clear here talking about that. And that's another highlighted point to me, because it's just one over and over again, again and again through the Bible. And I just feel that he's really stressing that today. Like, how are you doing in your relationship with God? Are you having a divided attention? Uh, because what brought to my mind, because of my background, was that this has existed for years and years and years. It's not only today. And because of my background, I'm from Mexico, I can see the influence of the Aztecs, for example. We still have those pyramids, the Pyramid of the Sun, the Pyramid of the Moon, and people still go there, and they have these rituals and ceremonies worshiping the moon and the sun and the stars. And we cannot maybe do it openly, but I, I just know um, every time, like my nieces call me, like, is it good if I just go to a person that reads the tarot cards? Is it true that they can really read the cards? And what about the horoscopes? Horoscopes are zodiac, are stars. And I'm like, okay, Lord. I just sense the Lord saying, I'm saying this with love because I love you. But if you happen to go to this, you are going to others. And you are putting something that limits God in your heart. And you just have to like, okay, clean. Clean this. Uh, and I just sense that when we are doing these steps, if we just follow his loving encouragement and act upon it, he's going to break things from our lives. And I just sense that you're going to really see it if you just take the step and we just ask for forgiveness, clean us, and renounce to what we've been doing. God is going to do amazing things. I just sense him, like bringing freedom in areas of your life and bringing healing when you need healing, just because we are following what he is telling us to do. So this is the first stop, and I sense God saying, this might be a little bit inoffensive, like it's, it's okay, it's just a little thing, but before his eyes, it's not. Because everything is principle, principles and uh, spiritual things, and when we do this, we open a door for others to come into our lives. Okay, so we're going to stop here, and I'm going to ask you to close your eyes so nobody looks at you. Nobody's going to raise hands, okay? And I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit. And if you know that you go to these horoscopes or psyche readings or tarot or Ouija words, let's just obey God and be humble. He talks a lot about humility and we're going there, okay? But we're going to ask for forgiveness and for God to break that. So, Holy Spirit, we are stopping here for you. And we are listening. And we don't want anything to interfere with what you want to do in my life.
So whatever it is, if you have been involved in this, okay, I'm going to just pray kind of to lead how to, but you in your heart pray with your own words. So Father, I ask you to forgive me for going to others. Forgive me for playing the Ouija board, for going to this tarot reading or psychist. And forgive me for going to the stars, for reading the horoscope and placing my hopes in what the whatever sign says. I ask for your forgiveness. Cleanse me. I renounce to these practices. Help me not to do it anymore. And in place of those things, just fill me with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us up. Let your voice be heard. There's no other voice more powerful than your voice. And we want you. We want you in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Keep moving as we keep walking with you. Thank you for breaking whatever it is that you're breaking because there are no more chains. Nothing is chaining your kids to these practices now. Come and fill us up. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Keeping God's presence. We'll keep walking and we'll keep stopping. Stephaniah continues and he describes this day of the Lord in the following way. We have a very graphic description and feels like a warlike event. Okay, so we have an outline there in the slide, slide, slide seven. This day of the Lord that he's describing for them when they are going to be taken into exile, it's great, meaning that it's going to be a huge event. It's dreadful with distress, anguish, trouble, ruin, darkness, and gloom. So we've seen this all over the Old Testament, and at the same time, we have been able to see God's character in the sense that he always gives hope to whatever he's speaking. He tells them that there's a bright future, that he, in the middle of everything, he's right there. And he is always saying, if you do this, if you whatever, okay, just always, always speaking. So we're going to go to chapter 2 and verse 3, and we're going to read what God speaks about this hope that he gives. Verse 3 says, seek the Lord, inquire for him, inquire of him, and require him as the foremost necessity of your life. All you humble of the land who have acted in compliance or obeyed with his revealed will and have kept his commandments. Seek righteousness, which is another word for justice. 
that we've been seeing all over and over. Seek justice and seek humility. These two things. Inquire for these two things and require them as vital. It may be you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. So we see this outline and we see how he's really longing for that relationship with all humanity. Seek me. Justice and humbleness are so important. And we've been seeing these themes over and over again. Like, and we've talked about the opposite of pride. It's humility, right? So he says, seek humility. Don't have pride in your life. And present yourselves to God and just really, how do we get to needing him and seeing him as our first necessity in life. Can you name some of the first necessities that we all know that we need in order to live? Water, food, clothing, love, shelter, touch. Yes, all of these, God says, just like those Make me your first necessity, just like water, like food, like love, like touch. I want to be the first in your life. Since we are taking these steps, I really, really feel that God is going to be doing amazing things and you're going to see breakthroughs. Okay? So this is another stop just there in your place. Just try to sense God's love for you, how much he really wants you. And just try to listen to his voice. I'm going to be praying just for a minute. And he's going to maybe highlight areas in your life. Like, I know I'm first in your life in this area. But I also know that in this one, I'm last. So he's going to highlight that and bring it up. Like, I want to be one in this area too, okay? So, Father, again, thank you for being here. Holy Spirit, I ask you, hug every person and highlight, shine your light. What is the area or areas where I don't put you in first place? And just feel that area, Holy Spirit. I want you to sit on the throne in every area of my life. Yes, Holy Spirit. We'll keep walking through Stephaniah, and I'm hoping God is showing the progression that he's doing. Okay, he started from Genesis, 
he started with judgment, but he leads his people to take actions, and then he gives hope and fills with his Holy Spirit. And then we get to chapter 3, and God highlights himself, that this is who I am when I'm with you. Stephaniah 3 verse 5 says, The Lord in the midst of you is uncompromisingly righteous. He will not do iniquity. Every morning he brings his justice to light and he fails not. So you can always trust God. He never does wrong. He always is just and he never ever fails. And then he gives promises to his people. Yes, you're going to go through the exile, but I'm going to give you a promise, and I want you to see the future that I have in you. And one of the things is very interesting. Chapter uh, 3, verse 9 says this, For then, in that time, changing their impure language, I will give to the people a clear and pure speech from pure lips that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one unanimous consent or one heart and one united shoulder bearing the yoke of the Lord. And I just had this picture of like everybody, when you hug a person, when we are in his family, we are all in this like really a human chain and we are walking, advancing his kingdom shoulder to shoulder. We have the same goal. We are one in him. So this is more or less the image. And he's highlighting purity. Purity is so important. And specifically, what comes out of our mouth. And I always tell my kids, I always tell, there's power in your words. And I really felt like, okay, this is the third stop for us. Okay, let's park here a little bit. And I just want you to think, you and me, what are we saying day by day? What words are coming out of our mouth day by day? God says we need purity in what we are speaking. And he says here, this really got my attention, the goal or the purpose for our, our mouth is to call upon his name. It's to speak his name. It's maybe to worship him. So from this mouth that is supposed to be speaking Jesus, what is this mouth speaking on Monday or maybe Wednesday or maybe Friday night? So this is our stop. Okay, one minute. Again, I want us to close our eyes just to avoid distractions. And I want you to think it's you and God. What is it that we are speaking? And Holy Spirit, I ask you to highlight whatever it is. But I ask you just to touch our mouth. Let us see the difference of this purity that you are talking about. Let us try this week and just see if it really makes a difference in practical life to have purity 
of lips. You put this song in our lips on Monday. You put the song that you want us to sing to you on Tuesday. You remind us to say, I love you, Jesus, on Wednesday. And just be real to us. Let us see you in our mouth this week. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's continue walking. These stops might seem a little bit like this is not commonly what we do, but I believe there's going to be something released that you're going to be able to see in your life because of this, because he's the one that is breaking things and he's going to do amazing things, all right? So towards the end of the chapter, verses 12 and 14, after we do this, because it's after what he's requiring Judah and Jerusalem to do, says this, For I will live in the midst of you a people afflicted and poor. And I remember the Sermon of the Mount, where God says, like, blessed are the afflicted, blessed are the poor, because, and there's this big promise, okay? So they shall trust, seek refuge, and be confident, in the name of the Lord. What is left of Israel shall not do iniquity or speak lies. Neither shall a deceitful tongue be found in their mouth, for they shall feed and lie down, and none shall make them afraid. So we've been doing this. God is promising, like, no lies in the midst of us you won't be afraid when you go to sleep. He's going to take whatever it is that is coming, making you afraid. 14, sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, and rejoice. Be in high spirits. It's like, cheer up. And glory with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem, in that day. And there's so much joy in these words. And God is promising this. Cheer up. I'm in the midst of you. You can sing and you can rejoice. And I just thought, how does this look like? Have you ever done this when you are alone? What is the craziest thing that you've done? One moment that you were so aware of God's presence and his love for you that you couldn't help but do something to rejoice and to express your love for him. Have you done that? Dancing. Sang very badly. I don't think Jesus agrees with that. I think Jesus loves it when we sing. It doesn't matter how we sing. He just loves that, right? And he continues. Okay, it doesn't stop there. He continues. Verse 17, and I love it that God gave those words at the beginning because it's going to really seal the end. At the end, he says who God is in the middle of us. Okay? Verses, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst. And the verse that came to my mind is that Jesus said, when two or more are together in my name, there I am in the midst, in the middle. Right? He 
This is the outline in the verse, in one verse. He is a warrior who saves, meaning I fight for you. When you need God to fight for you, he fights for you. He's a warrior there for you. Then he, ha he says, I will rejoice or he will rejoice over you with joy. Did you know that God rejoices over you just because of you? I think today he wants you to be aware of that, that you bring him so much joy just because you are you. The next, he, uh, this is a translation that has two meanings. We heard Dan saying, uh, he'll quiet you. And he, it also means this, that's why I chose this translation. He will be quiet in his love, meaning that he won't make no mention of your past sin. And again, we see Jesus here. Because Jesus came and he took every sin, everything to the cross. And because of that, God says, I don't remember your sins anymore. So if you are listening in your mind like, oh, God doesn't love you because you did this and this and this. Yesterday or 10 years ago, that's the liar. Because when you come to Jesus and you ask for his forgiveness, God is saying, I don't mention that anymore. I don't remember that anymore. So don't bring it to mind because it's not in my mind. That's the accuser. Yeah. All right? And then he repeats a second time but with bigger words. Okay, repeating it twice is God really means that. He means every word, but twice it's like, okay, please don't miss this. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy, with loud singing. So just think about that. I knew this verse, and I'm praying that it happens to you because we just sang to him. But have you ever heard him singing back to you? He rejoices over you with singing. He sings to you. Have you heard him? singing that. We are going to pray for because I really sense that he wants to reveal to each of you that song that he's singing over you this morning. And I just could sense as that was leading us in worship, he was already moving and you were kind of sensing and hearing. But he wants you to know that he sings back to you. And when we see Zephaniah from this perspective, it really amazed me because I could see Genesis to Revelation. He started in Genesis, and he started with judgment, but then we see Jesus in the middle of it, and Jesus takes God's wrath. All of God's wrath was satisfied in Jesus at the cross. And then he showed me 1 Thessalonians 5.9, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came 
to remove that. We are not under wrath. And that's why you can rejoice and you can have joy and freedom and listen to him, listen to his voice. When I was thinking about it, I just heard him saying, I am the beginning and the end. And that's expressing Zephaniah. So Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is existing forever and who was continually existing in the past and who is to come, the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the ruler of all. Revelation 22.13 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last, the before all and the end of all, the eternal one. So I think he wants us to be really aware of who this big God that we love is, that he knows you, that he loves you, he rejoices over you, he sings to you. So we're going to respond. Okay, to that love. Uh, the first thing that we are going to do is if there's anybody that might not uh, come to Jesus, you really don't remember telling him, Jesus, I want you in my life. That's the requirement, okay? He didn't destine us for wrath or for anger. He came to rescue us. What he did in the cross it's free for all. You just have to accept it. And then you'll have this amazing joy. And it comes really from his heart. And we cannot understand it with our minds, but you'll feel the difference. And you'll see things changing in your life. So we're going to pray for that, either if it's the first time or if you feel like you need to renew that relationship with him, We've taken some steps. We've renounced to some things, so let's ask him just to fill us up. And then I'm going to ask Holy Spirit to come. Okay? So thank you, Father. Thank you, because you are the beginning and you are the end. You see the past. And we ask you just come. Heal whatever happened in the past. Take it in your hands. Let me see you in my past. Come to my present and feel my future with you. I ask you to forgive me for everything that made you sad. And I accept this big amazing gift of Jesus coming, revealing you as my father, taking my place on the cross. He took the wrath away. And I ask you, Jesus, to come and fill me with your life and guide me and lead me. Show me how to live day by day in a way that brings joy to you, that honors you. 
in the name of Jesus, Father, I just say that you are my God and you are my only God. I have no others. It's only you, Jesus. As we sang, you be the center of it all. You be the center of my life. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and rest over each person. Bring this peace and bring the joy that you have that rejoice over each one of us. I ask you, Holy Spirit, start singing. Reveal your song for each one of your kids here today.